0: Rescued from the power, penalty, and presence of sin. It's a threefold look at what it means to be rescued, spiritually speaking. That's what this series is all about on Truth for Today. It's a threefold look at the rescue that God initiates on our behalf. First, he is rescuing us from the penalty of sin, and in order to do that, we need justification. That's a big term, a huge word that is used in a spiritual context. What does it mean? Well, that's the subject of our time today as Pastor Phil Howard continues with our series called Rescued. We're looking at this word justification. It's God's gift to the rescued. Here's Pastor Phil now with today's edition of Truth For Today.
1: Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. But this, this is a gift God's giving, so you can't earn it by wage. God doesn't owe you a wage. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted, is imputed, is put to his credit as righteousness. When you believe God, he puts the righteousness of Christ to your credit. And notice who what kind of people he justifies. What kind? To the to the church going, who believes He justifies. Does yours say that? What kind? I can't hear you. You can go to heaven if you can live perfect. Or you can trust the gospel. Yeah, you better. When you've been as ungodly as us. You've never been perfect. No one. To the ungodly. That's not very complimentary. Some translation to the wicked. I hate to think that I was wicked at 14. My children were saved at five. Say, hey, you little wicked, ungodly thing. You you need Christ. (laughs) But in God's sight. He said, I wasn't in your interest. You, You didn't think of me. When I was studying justification in college. We used to use a book by William R. Newell, who used to teach at Moody uh, Institute in Chicago. And he tells the story, William R. Newell, footnote in his book, of how he was holding Bible, daily Bible studies at the Century Theater in St. Louis, Missouri. And while I was there, uh, one day... A man came up to him and said I am captain and in the book he doesn't give his name but a man very widely known in the city and he sat down to talk with Newell and he said you are talking to the most ungodly man in town I said well thank God What he cried, do you mean you are glad that I am bad? No, I said, but I'm certainly glad to find a sinner that knows he is a sinner. Oh, you do not know the half. I have been absolutely ungodly for years and years and years right here in St. Louis. I own two Mississippi steamers. And, of course, gambling, prostitution, drunkenness, everything happened on those steamers. Everybody knows me. I am just the most ungodly man in St. Louis. I could hardly get him to be quiet enough to ask him, did you hear me preach on the ungodly people today? Mr. Newell, he said, I have been coming to these meetings for six weeks. I do not think I've missed a meeting But I cannot tell you a word of what you said today. I did not sleep last night. I've hardly slept for three weeks. I've gone to one man after another in this city to find what to do and what they say. I've read the Bible. I've prayed. But I am the most ungodly wretch in this town, and I don't know how to change. I waited here today to ask you, I am so ungodly. What can I do? Now I said, let's turn to the verse that I preached. And he turned. He had him read it. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness and Newell says to him uh, uh, but he cried how can this be for me I am the most ungodly man in St. Louis wait I said I beg you go on reading so he read to him that worketh not but believeth on him he will justify the ungodly there he fairly shouted that's what I am Then I said, the verse says not to do, and you want me to tell you something to do. I cannot do that. Now, there must be something to do. If not, I shall be lost forever. Now, listen with all your soul, I said. There was something to do, but it has been done. Then I told him how God so loved him, and all godly as he was, that he sent Christ to die for the ungodly and that God's judgment had fallen on Christ who has been forsaken of God for his captain so-and-so sins there on the cross. Then I said, God raised up Christ and sent us preachers to beseech men and the ungodly as they are to believe on this God who declares righteous the ungodly on the ground of Christ's shed blood. The captain said, "I will accept that proposition." The next day, he came to the theater and he asked Newell, he "said May I say a word to the audience?" And he gets up. I want to tell all of you of the greatest proposition I ever found. I am a businessman and know a good proposition, but I found one yesterday that so filled me with joy that I could not sleep a wink all night. I found out that God, for Jesus' sake, declares righteous any ungodly man that trusts him. I trusted him yesterday, and you all know what an ungodly man I was. I thank you all for listening to me, but I felt I could not help but tell you of this wonderful proposition that God should count me righteous. I have been such a great sinner The gospel justifies ungodly people. It justified you. Your sin isn't greater than the atonement. Your sin is not greater than the cross. Don't you insult God and say, oh, you don't know what I've done. God knows every sin you've ever done, want to do, wish you could have done, what you might do. He said, I have paid it in full at Calvary. I will count you righteous if you'll believe me. If you'll believe me. If you'll believe me. God is occupying heaven with people that Christ paid the price to justify he believed God and it goes on in uh, Romans 4 if you read the rest of the narrative it said against hope he believed though he considered his body as good as dead and when he looked at Sarah though a beautiful woman and he said you just can't give me children your womb has become a tomb there's no life but if God said, you and I are going to have a family, we're going to have a family. You better start decorating the room. You, you know, they couldn't buy any pampers. They just had to get ready. <laughs> but just think, as a 100-year-old man, not, a, not Hagar and Ishmael, but you shall have a promised son through Sarah. And he takes that, so likewise, brother, has God put his son to death because of your transgressions and because he's going to declare you righteous? He raised his son from the dead and he said, if I can make an old couple all of a sudden become the father of nations and kings will come out of him. Messiah will come out of him. What can I do for anyone that will believe my promise? I'll give them righteousness. Righteousness. One other character, then we close. David speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteous, apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. Surely not adultery, because he was an adulterer, was he not? Surely not murder. We can't go to prison and tell a murderer God could make give you credit for the righteousness of Christ if you'll believe. You can't say that, can you? David says you can. David said, I'll be there. I was treachery. I'm what you write soap operas about. A treacherous, lusty old man that had many women in his harem, but I wanted one more and applauded. I was evil. I was as crooked as I could be. Blessed is the man, and I'm that man. He didn't charge with the sin. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. You remember he told God in Psalm 51, if you demanded a sacrifice, I'd bring it, but there's nothing in the law that says I can atone for what I did. All I can give you is a broken heart. God said, I'll forgive you because I see Calvary, even from where you are, David. Someday I'm going to pick up the debt and pay it. I want to pay for your adultery. I want to pay for your murder. I want to pay for your plot. God can't save those kind of people. Heaven's going to be full of them. Heaven's going to be full of them. You couldn't get them there, but God can. God can. God can. God can. God paid a price God paid a price blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin anybody here like that my dad used to read that verse to me he said who is that man if it's not me I said well have you robbed a bank or something he said no you just don't know what a sinner your daddy is your daddy's a great sinner but I got a great savior When they buried John Newton, that's what he had on his epitaph. Here lies a great sinner that had a great Savior. See, this is our gospel. This is our gospel. That's why Luther said, this is the plank of all Christianity. And I tell you, I cannot tell you enough how this message is what gets lost in church. We fuss about more minor things. We get preoccupied with this, with that, with this, with that. This is what he built the church on. This is what heaven gets filled by. This gospel, this gospel. Not works, not Phariseeism, not thinking you're right. Have you ever said, I am ungodly, I fall short of the divine expectations no matter if I haven't done 90 terrible sins I fall short I cannot merit a righteous standing and God says can you believe can you believe my promise that I can give you the marriage of Christ and I'll put it on your account and by, that's the positive I get a positive righteousness and by the way watch this I just erased every sin you've ever done. It's all erased. You got erased. It won't be charged against you. I charged it to my son. And now my son's righteousness, I've charged to you. God made him to be sin for us. He took my sin. That I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. How? Reverend Bunyan, he was so convicted about his sins for months, he could find no peace. And he said one night, he's walking through a wheat field, and he said all of a sudden the words of another great sinner came to him, Philippians 3, 9, and that I might be found in him having a righteousness not of the law, but the righteousness that comes to us by faith in Christ. I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. God can treat you like he treats his son because he sees you clothed in him. So many churchmen, we stay beat up with our guilt and our shortcomings and all the failures. We're we're full of them. We're full. You know what? He didn't say he made you perfect. He imputes righteousness. The Catholic church said he infuses righteousness. He makes you righteous at that. No, 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 no. You, You get saved and you go away. You're still a sinner. You still can blow it. You can still sin. God's got to spend a lifetime teaching you to act right. And he's working on it. By the time he's got you perfected, he's going to take you home. No, he's spending a lifetime getting us there. But in a moment, in an instant, he declares you to have a righteousness that's only found in Christ. Can you believe Christ? Have you? Do you want to go to heaven? Believe God's promise that He can raise you from the depth of your sin and from the depth of your ungodliness. Admit I can never merit you. I can't do enough to please you. I want, I want to go to heaven. I, uh, I close. I, I'm often moved by it on believing a promise. I've told it before, uh, but it's moving. That. Uh, I went to a preaching convention in Fresno before I started this church and a man got up and he told the story of how uh, a soul-moving revival had happened in their community. And this one man in the community was converted. These were uh, Oklahoma, Arkansas tent meetings, revival, probably about 1930s in that period of time. Many people coming to Christ. And this one man became a believer. But his wife was unsaved and his children were not saved. But this man began to have strange habits in which he was gone every morning. Gone every morning and be out of the house soaked before the sun ever came up. And this went on for weeks. And finally the wife was curious what got him out of bed so early. So she told the eldest son... I want you to get up in the morning and track your father. I don't know where he's going so early. I don't know what's happening. Find out for me. Try not to be seen. Tell me what you find out. So the boy started doing this, did it for about a week. And uh, uh, finally, he told his mom, she asked him, what's going on? And he said, Mom, I followed him to the edge of town. I followed him a little bit in the woods and there's a cut off log there and he he goes there and he kneels and he prays every morning he prays about an hour before he goes to work And, uh, and she said he says some strange things but I'm not sure well in a matter of time, the wife got saved. Matter of time, three or four children were saved. And finally, one morning they were all sitting around breakfast, and the wife's going to say, "Honey, you don't know, but I've been having your son track you for weeks, and he tells me you go to this place and that you pray and whatever." She said, "He said that you 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 said some kind of strange things and that." They could hear you uttering at times in that prayer that you, every day you seem to say, but you promised. Amen. But you promised. She said, we're curious. We're curious. What did you mean by that? He said, oh, oh. He said, that's Acts sixteen thirty one and 32. She said, what's that? He said, it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and your whole household. And I've been quoting to God every morning, but you promise, but you promise, but you promise. And what was the clincher for me? He said, I know this to be true because I was the eldest son. I was the one that tracked him, and I've been preaching the gospel now for 30 years. But I am a result of a morning prayer meeting that my dad said, I want to cash in a promise. The cross surely bought my boy. The cross surely bought my wife. But you promised. Let me tell you, you're going to be governed by problems or guided by promises. On Valentine's morning, Carol and I rehearsed our years together and what we've seen God do. And we simply said, he's kept his promise. He's kept his promise. He's kept his promise. If you're here and you've never received Christ, can you believe God? Not can you perform. Can you believe? It's not your faithfulness that saves. It's God's faithfulness. Yeah, right. Can you simply believe it? Someone has said, faith is not a work. It's an empty hand that receives the work. God, God, your faith isn't what saves ultimately. Oh, no. Christ alone saves. But faith is what receives the gift. You know, we often say, uh, to grace, what a debtor I am. Lewis Chafer used to always say, "Grace never incurs a debt. If you got it in grace, you can never pay it back. If I gave you something graciously, I didn't put you in debt. I expect nothing in return. God expects nothing from you but to believe Him. Can you do God? Do you think God can keep a promise?" Your whole eternity is going to depend on your answer. If you don't, you will perish. But whoever believes in him, God will give righteousness, eternal life, and forgiveness. I ask you to believe. I ask you to believe. Our Father, we love you. We are astounded on the terms of our salvation. Jesus did all the suffering. Jesus did all the pain. All you're asking me to do, do you believe me? Do you believe me? Do you believe I gave my son to pay for your sins? Do you hear me? I'm not asking you to sign up to do a bunch of works. I'm asking you, can you believe I can keep my promises? I didn't have to make the promises. I I didn't have to do anything about you. I could have let you perish. I could let you die. Your sins deserve it. They deserve it. They deserve it. What I'm offering comes out of a free heart of grace. I don't want to treat you like you deserve. I want to give you what you could never earn. I want to give you a free gift. I just ask you, trust me. Trust me. Can you trust me? I can forgive you. You haven't sinned anything so deep that I cannot forgive. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. I am a cleanser, a forgiver. I won't even charge you. I won't even charge you for the crime. Because Jesus paid for it.
0: So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call, 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864.